0: Hi everybody, my name is Enalee Soto-Fuller. I am the Assistant VP of Undergraduate Admissions at Seattle Pacific University. Welcome to the ALP.
1: Welcome to the ALP, the Admissions Leadership Podcast, a series of one-on-one conversations with people who have been climbing the leadership mountain in college admissions. Some are during the summit, some are already there, but how did they get there? And what can other climbers learn from their mindsets, habits, and experiences? I'm your host, Ken Anselman, Vice President for Enrollment Management at RHB. And as you heard, with me today is Ineliz Soto-Fuller. Thanks for saying yes to the invitation that came from a conversation that started, I think, was it Megan Miller that brokered this conversation between you and me about a month ago?
0: That's right. She's great.
1: Megan is on Team RHB, uh, and I believe we may have uh, she may have joined us from being a colleague of yours at SPU back in the day.
0: That's right. Yep. We worked a lot together.
1: <laughs> and so shout out to Megan, and uh, thank you, SPU. Uh, and we're sorry, but... <laughs> <laughs> She's great. She's She is a, a ton of energy, super creative and just great to have. And um, I'm grateful to her for introducing me to you uh, and realizing what a, um, well, I used the word badass, I think, after one of our conversations. Uh, <laughs> so just to really you know, set you up. How are you? You said you, you just got back from a, a bit of a trip.
0: Yeah. So actually I was just recruiting in Hawaii um, oh, and I brought- difficult. You know what, I, it's it still work. Okay, it's still work. Um, but it was fun. This time was really special because this, this is my sixth, sixth recruiting cycle in Hawaii. So I've been recruiting there for six years. And in my very first recruiting visit, uh, I met a young man named Pierce Salavea. And um, he came with me on this trip because I hired him this year as our assistant director over visits and events. And he told me part of the hiring gig was he wanted to go back to Hawaii and help students um, and recruit in Hawaii. So I brought him along and he shadowed me on the trip. And it was amazing to see him present at his high school where I first met him. Six years ago, and so that was really special
1: for sure. Oh, that's oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm just making all sorts of weird weird sounds. But when you get to (laughs) see kind of the circle of life and the and the role you have in that, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, So, how was the trip? And by the way, thank you for you you must. Are you lagging a little bit, jet lagging here today? A little
0: bit, yeah. This morning was tough. It was hard to go to sleep.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: and then it was a little tough to wake up, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You
1: know, you're taking one for the team. (laughs) <laughs> you know, coming to Hawaii like that. Somebody has to do it. I, somebody has to do it. Although, I, w- you know, when I was in the VP role, people would always say, well, why aren't you taking those cool VP trips? And I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. And now I realize I totally missed out on the opportunity because yeah. Steve Zyverson, my previous boss, would always go to Hawaii. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'll let somebody else on the team go. <laughs> um, yeah. Opportunity. Yeah. Best. So good for you for doing that. Yeah. Um, now you, how you've been at Seattle Pacific for your entire career.
0: That's right. Yep.
1: So let's, that might be a good place to start and we may stop at some interesting places along the way. Um, but how, so you mentioned at the top your AVP, uh, for admission, but you've been there for how long now?
0: This is my 16th year. Yeah. And so when I started in admissions 16 years ago, I started as maybe a lot of people start where they're like, oh, this is a fun gig. I'll do it for a couple years and that's then right. go on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so so that's how that's how it started. I had a friend's who a friend who was doing admissions and it sounded fun. It sounded like it aligned with my skills and things that I enjoy. Travel, talking to people, helping kids go to college. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and uh, 16 years later, here I am.
1: <laughs> but um, at, yeah, at still doing you... it. Did you have a, because there's that moment, right? I mean, I know we often talk about three mm-hmm. or 30 as the, you know, you'll either do it for three years or you're going to do it for 30. And I say that recognizing that I just finished 30 years inside. Wow. <laughs> I Congrats. Mm-hmm. I know. I started when I was 10. Wow. Um, yeah. No. So smart. Uh, absolutely not. No. Um, <laughs> but when did you start getting that that idea that, yeah, this is a this is a career I'd like to make a run in.
0: Yeah, well, so I started out, um, before I started in admissions, I actually worked as an AmeriCorps volunteer, and I worked in um, underserved community in Tacoma, Washington, fell in love with the work I was doing there. Originally, I was pre-med, on the doctor route, um, and changed my mind after doing that experience, And just felt like I really needed to help kids that looked like me um, Mm. find representation, get inspired, and go to college uh, because it changed my life. I'm a first-generation college student, came from a low-income home, and I just really wanted to make sure people knew how life-changing college could be. Um, And so I did that Americorps program for two years, working at an after-school program and working in the high school and helping um, BIPOC students in those AP classes kind of get through, and then helping kids on their college apps, and and that's what led to an interest in admissions. Okay. And then because of my experience, uh, when I started at SPU, I started as a multicultural outreach counselor. And uh, with that role, I would go to a lot of the high schools locally that had more higher percentages of students of color. Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved it. I just fell in love with the role. At the time, Seattle Pacific was about 13% students of color. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me entering into that community as a staff member, it was complete culture shock, um, for where, from where I had been. And so I just immediately wanted to get to know the students who were on campus. I wanted to find a way to support them and then to learn how I could do my role well so that I could hopefully bring more students of color into the community at SPU. And so, uh, I did that multicultural outreach role for a while and moved up the ranks in that role because i just kept bringing up ideas for how to do events and how to um, bring multicultural outreach more into the foundation of the work that we're doing and not just as an aside mm-hmm. and i kept advocating for more voice and authority and budget <laughs> and uh up to and the you point got where all of these came, things well it took a lot of work.
1: <laughs> What's the, well, but that, I mean, it, I i make it kind of as a, a joking aside, but thats a, it's a serious question, which is, you know, how, you know, and this was a while back, you know, 16, yeah. 12, 16 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, how, how do you win the case uh, at, in your role uh, to get greater support, get the resources you need to really build a more you might say legitimately focused operation when it comes to right. recruiting diverse stu- students from diverse backgrounds.
0: Yeah, I think for me number 1 as a young professional I just didn't understand the structures above me and mm. I was so passionate about the gaps I was seeing that I just went went forth and conquered. So I just I just <laughs> good, good I was you. like, "Who <laughs> who do I need to talk to, to to make some changes? Because this this isn't working for, for students of color. There's no way yeah. that students of color are going to retain here. And there's no way that they're going to come to an institution if these things aren't in place. And so I started to talk to the dean of students and a bunch of leaders within the university that I probably should not have tried to access
1: well, <laughs> um, why? that early why, in my why, career. Would you, why would you say that? Why would you say um,
0: that? Because or maybe we're... I just didn't use the proper channels, <sighs> but it worked. Um, yeah. and, and I just made it a point to uh, ask questions, to see if there were ways that uh, certain policies or programs could be either changed or instituted for the first time. And for me, I just think it's really important. Um, uh, especially when I talk to young professionals of color or women who really struggle to have a voice, Mm. Mm. um, in society in general, but in our field as well, I, I talk about, um, some of what I've learned is that you need to support your your passion with uh, data and well-thought-out um, systems and well-thought-out plans. So um, something that w- was... Uh, I had a mentor that really struck a chord with me. He, he saw my passion. He knew that I was going to make changes (laughs) no Mm -hmm, matter what. mm -hmm. Um, He saw that I had that potential and leadership, but he told me, uh, never let your passion speak louder than your wisdom. And I think there were times in my career where I just led with passion and I didn't take the time to think through my advocacy and Mm. Advocating and how to support that advocacy, and in our field, data data is everything. <laughs> so yeah. it should be everything. I mm-hmm. think sometimes we rely on data too much, and data needs needs to be contextualized. But um, if you have data and you have examples, and you really think through your plan, your advocacy will go a long way. And so I tell um, young professionals, advocate, use your voice. First of all, self-advocate. I was promoted many times over because of my own self-advocacy and sharing, hey, literally writing proposals and sharing with my supervisors and saying, this is all the work that I'm doing. This is different than my colleagues. This is what I've added to the team this is where my voice is needed in leadership because uh, Mm. you all don't have this experience or this knowledge. And I think if if we're going to change systems or processes, I think my voice is really valuable. And all of that was my own self-advocacy and sitting down and thinking through what are all the questions that they're going to ask me as follow-up. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm prepared to answer those questions. And so uh, I did that in my career. And it got to the point where I didn't have to self-advocate anymore. I finally was at the leadership table. Right. And I was able to speak from a place of um, authority. And that's what we need. We need uh, people of color and uh, women to be able to be in those leadership positions uh, and have that that authority and autonomy to make changes and um, speak into processes. And so, but it takes preparation, it takes wisdom, and you really need to um, think through your points.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really
0: Think through it and know, know your leadership and know your supervisor, know what makes them tick, know what makes them listen, and then bring, bring whatever your passion is and whatever you're trying to advocate for, uh, put it within that lens where someone can listen. Um, Hmm. So, uh, and I also really advocate get comfortable with other aspects of the job. I didn't stay in multicultural outreach or diversity outreach or whatever your Uh, institution call it. Um, I made sure that I started to learn the CRM. I made sure Mm -hmm. that I was, uh, in other committees. I tried to speak into, um, projects or systems that had nothing to do with diversity, but had to do with our admissions, uh, you know, work and tasks broader and strategy, right? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it was really actually exciting and fun to dive into those things, even though I was really scared of data and CRM. I, once I dug into it, I was like, this is actually really fun, really interesting. Yeah. I would do it for fun. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so, um, the more that you get those other skill sets, yeah the better your advocacy is and the more you grow professionally and you have greater impact.
1: Totally. And you, your reach is wider, right? Absolutely. You you, you can go institute, you can go division wide, institution wide. Mm -hmm. And and you were playing the CRM, CRM game that early in your career too?
0: Oh, uh, not early. Okay, okay. (laughs) It was more, um, I would, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't fully understand the power of a, I mean, back then the CRM was
1: really basic. Um, Uh so (laughs) this this was pre technolusions right?
0: Oh yeah. Big time. Um, so it wasn't until we actually moved into a new CRM and I was in, um, at that point I was managing first year counselors, And when I was managing them, I had a vested interest in how we would be tracking information, how this would provide efficiencies for my team and the work that we do. And so I got really involved in the conversations around uh, that CRM and how we were going to implement more than people I think expected. And then, uh, and then I became like, a CRM expert in a CRM that was awful, 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 awful.
1: Um, I could <laughs> use other skill set descriptions, yeah.
0: but, <laughs> but because it was so awful, I was in it all the time and trying to make sure that things weren't yeah, just okay. disappearing from our data and all mm-hmm. of that. And then that got me very interested in what new CRM we would um, implement since this one was not working yeah. and so we do need to name um,
1: names or anything like that
0: no we won't we won't Mm-mm. we won't mention that awful horrible i don't you shouldn't even <laughs> call it a crm <laughs> <Everybody's guessing>.
1: um, <laughs> what is it what could it possibly you know
0: be? if you yeah, have no. it you know it's either. awful We're um <laughs> that that but when we started looking at uh slate I got really interested and because the other system was so terrible, I was like, we better we better make this one good. And so I got really involved into in the selection process. And then I was involved with implementation and I had a lot of fun with that. So um, yeah, in the beginning, I had no idea. I had no idea how important it was. And so the earlier you can get involved and start learning, the better.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. I want to come back to, because it was so good. I I want to hear it again. (laughs) But the advice that you got from your Mm -hmm. earlier in career mentor, and you feel free to drop his name if that was, this is the time to give shout outs.
0: Dante Quinine. Dante was, was my dude.
1: Dante Quinine. So, so again, it was, don't let your, passion be louder than your wisdom or to, I want to, hear. yeah, it don't
0: let, don't let your, don't, and I have this written on a little yeah, sheet of paper yeah. in my office. Um, I wrote it down the day he told me that, and I've kept that little sheet of paper in my office ever since. Um, so don't let your passion speak louder than your wisdom. Okay. And then actually it was a student that I told this to, and um, they were the one that added the, or you'll lose your voice.
1: How often have you given that advice to others since then?
0: Oh, so many times. I can imagine. I've given that advice to students who are mm-hmm. fighting for change. Mm-hmm. Um, I've given that advice to my staff. Mm-hmm. Um, My sister. Okay. okay. Basically, anyone I care about, when I see that kind of passion that I have, that I have had, um, I just yeah, I share that immediately. As soon as I I feel like it's they're headed in a direction where they need to kind of slow down, take a Mm -hmm. minute, think Mm -hmm. things through, and come up with a plan. Mm -hmm. I I share that.
1: Yeah. Well, and the other piece of it that you, what you described is something that I know sometimes folks that are really early in career don't make, don't readily make the connection, which is it's easy to find problems. It's easy to (laughs) bring them to people's attention. It's another order altogether to say, and here's a way we can tackle that problem Mm -hmm. Uh, where you're presenting potential solutions and doing the homework and the data. And that's, you know, that's something that's of immense value. I, I'm sure you see it in your own colleagues that you manage. Uh, oh, yeah,
0: but mm-hmm. it's easy
1: to admire the problem, but it's a, it's a whole different order of work to start thinking about how you can marshal resources to, to tackle the problem right. in a meaningful and sustainable way.
0: Well, and it's now that I've been sitting in leadership roles for a mm-hmm. while and you see the context of those problems, you realize that there's a lot going on to unravel how to fix that problem. And so, you know, young in in my career, I didn't quite understand why it was so difficult to get these things off the ground. Now I have a better understanding of all of that. Mm
1: Uh, Competing priorities and resources and people (laughs) and, but, but still.
0: Time.
1: Yeah, there's that. There's that. Um, So this was, this was relatively early in career, but you, you took off pretty, you know, once you got your sea legs, so to speak, you you moved up pretty, pretty rapidly in, at Seattle Pacific.
0: Yeah. So, after my first year in admissions, I was promoted into a senior counselor role. Now, to be fair, Let's pretty be much fair. everyone in the office left. So <laughs> it was like myself and another staff member that's another counselor that started at the same time as I did. We both got promoted. We're like, hey, we're now leadership <laughs> in our office. Wow. Um But
1: I I imagine that's happening a lot these days, though, given some of the turnover we're seeing on college campuses, people jumping rapidly from first-year rookie to, okay, now I have a more senior role in year two, and I just figured out how to do this.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and to be fair to myself, um, after my first year in admissions, we had a record uh, diversity enrollment as well. So Boom. Boom. I do think it had a pretty big impact in my first year. But
1: So you um, said when you got there, it was 13%. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the incoming class that year was 20%. Dang. Um, yeah. Well done. And then it just continued to, it, it kind of plateaued for a little bit and then continued mm-hmm. to grow from there. Um, and this incoming class, we're anticipating 58%.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, which I,
0: I didn't even huh? imagine that no. <laughs> when I started in admissions. So,
1: you know, yeah. it's interesting though. I see. So that growth is spectacular. Um, I note that I think inside Higher Ed wrote a story not too long ago about colleges that have become so-called majority-minority institutions, but you know. Doesn't focus on a Seattle Pacific or other schools, goes straight to the most highly selective institutions out there. Um, right. but you've been at this for a while. You've been at this for a while. We're all doing that work. But I may scrub that out because I just got a little snarky. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but maybe it's I'll okay. keep it in. It's because okay. well, because it, I think part of it is, sure, congratulations, college with tons of resources for doing that work. But you know, it's been part of, it's, it's been part of the fabric of so many institutions for so long. And, you know, SPU is not top of the food chain, but has been being mindful, certainly while you have been there in, in building that into your work.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it requires a lot. I, of course, this was not me it was it wasn't all me just <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> uh, making those changes the insti- yeah, the institution has done a lot to mm-hmm. um change culture on campus to change um systems, and it's never mm-hmm. fast enough, it's never good enough for our students um never is to be fair it's I mean we still have so many gaps and things to to grow. But mm-hmm. um, but it's been really encouraging to see changes across campus. It's not just the admissions office bringing people in, but it's also, you know, how do we change our residence life system? Mm-hmm. How do we hire people across campus that can be resources? How, mm-hmm. how do we change our faculty makeup? Um, and again, it's slow moving. But those right. changes have been happening and it makes a big difference. So, um,
1: so and you did the director gig for, you were in that role for how long again?
0: Yeah, uh, I think it's been six, six seven years now.
1: Okay. And then you, and you just, re, well, last year moved into your current yeah. role, right? That's right. And what was the precipitating event? How did you make that jump from director of admissions to all powerful assistant vice president?
0: Oh, all powerful. Right. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I,
1: again, I see a tongue in cheek, but it's a big deal because you, you picked up <laughs> it a is lot of responsibility deal. at that point.
0: That's true. Yeah. So um, I think part of it was I was already doing a lot of work um, at the AVP level. Mm -hmm. And then there were a couple things that, um, we were, we brought search in house. Whew,
1: Brilliant. So,
0: uh, my VP, yep, yep. It can be done. Um, and my VP wanted, uh, wanted me to take that on.
1: Okay.
0: And, uh, and then at the time, just our structure was a little bit different. I reported to, um, a, well, I don't know if he was AVP or a senior director. I'm not sure, but I was basically reporting to someone that reported to, my v, to the VP and mm-hmm. that wasn't working very efficiently because I just yeah. needed direct access to the VP with the decisions that I was making and some of the processes that we had to get in place. And so um, it just made sense for me to move into that role and then report under the structure that we had report to our our VP so we could just work more efficiently.
1: So you've had an opportunity to certainly flex your own and grow your own leadership muscles and probably see people on your team and, and, and learn from folks. So what are you know, what are some of the leadership qualities you have found most effective? Whether they you have them yourself or you wish to have them, but what are the ones that you found most effective?
0: Yeah, I've had to really think critically about my values as a leader over the last, especially the last three years with COVID mm-hmm. and uh, Seattle was at the heart of the Black Lives Matter movement and there was a lot of um, uh, racial Justice conversation and racial unrest, and my team is a very diverse team, and we had a lot of pain on our team, and um, and then on top of that, our university has been in the news quite a bit over the last couple of years. So
1: I've heard, and it's
0: yeah, <laughs> and it's been really challenging. Understatement yeah, of it. the year. really challenging. And so it's been really important to me to think about what are my values as a leader? How do I communicate that with my team and make that um, just really obvious to them so that they feel cared for and that they feel supported through these challenges that we've been through, especially over the last three years. So for me, authenticity, direct and open communication and a genuine care for employees as humans mm. beyond just yeah. their jobs, mm-hmm. that is critical. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I have to thank uh, our VP just left about a month ago, Nate Mute. He's at a, another somewhere else. I'll just leave no, it at that. Okay. And, <laughs> and I learned a lot about empathy from him. And um, he was... I went through some different bouts of sickness and he was just so caring. He put, he really put my health as the number one priority during those seasons. And he gave me so much autonomy in my role. And so that was also a really big lesson for me. And so for me, especially being a woman of color, Mm -hmm. I want to model to women to BIPOC folks, that you you need to bring who you are to these spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to diversify our offices and you know, increase diversity on our teams. Mm-hmm. It's a whole other thing to let them be all of who they are. And mm-hmm. um, I have, I think early in my career, I really struggled with... Um, code switching and not being able to be my full self Hmm. and feeling like I had to adapt to the majority culture. And um, as soon as I was in a place of of authority, I wanted to model, hey, this is who I am. (laughs) This is my full self. This is who I am. I'm going to be authentic to uh, my culture, how how I was raised, how I communicate.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's how you change culture. If I just adapt to the, you know, often white majority culture of many mm-hmm. of our, our spaces in higher ed, then no change will come of that. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel inclusive to the people who are coming in um, from from often underrepresented backgrounds. And so I, yeah, I just, I really make that known to my team, even for new employees. They meet with me pretty early on when they come in and I just talk about, you know, I want open communication. I want direct communications. I know some people struggle with direct communication. We'll teach you how to do it. If you're not there okay. yet, okay. you'll learn it. It'll be okay. Um, and uh, and I want you to bring all of who you are, your quirks, your fandoms, the way you, you <laughs> feel comfortable communicating. I want to bring. I want you to bring all of who you are to that space because we need that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are values that are really important, and especially when times are tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're in the news, and people yeah. are asking you hard questions. Yeah, and you're wondering about how do I communicate this, and also keep my values. And um,
1: uh, you're walking into the question I wanted to ask, which is how do you how do you straddle that as someone who is talking about bringing your whole self and being authentic and trying to model that for your team when the environment you're in is in the news for maybe not, I wouldn't even say maybe your environment is in the news for having a view that seems different from that.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it's just been really important to, um, to tell my team that they are tasked with being truthful and honest Um, about the experience at, at the institution. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that means telling the whole story. And I tell them this for anything, anything that has to do with the university, you're not making stuff up. You're not, you know, there's always a nice way to say things, but, but, um, I, I, this was also something, um, you had to be clear about when you talk to families, um, of color. I mean, we have a lot of parents that will come to us and say, is this a safe space for my black student? Well, you have to be honest because you don't want that student to come to the institution and then find out, Hey, I didn't know I was going to experience this. So you talk about the good and you talk about the hard stuff too. And so As we're navigating these challenges, um, first of all, you know, the media is telling a story and so Mm -hmm. you should do your homework and 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 Mm -hmm. read the stories, Um, but make sure that you're sharing uh, the truth of of every angle of what's happening at the institution. So if a family comes and asks a very specific question, answer that question truthfully. It's your job to do that. And you need to do your job with integrity. And so um, I think my team has really appreciated that um, I tell them to do that.
1: Yeah. And they
0: feel like they can do their job um, telling wonderful stories about this institution, about our amazing students, about our incredible faculty and our staff who support our students every single day, Mm -hmm. and then also Mm -hmm. the challenges that we're experiencing as well. And I think families really appreciate that too.
1: They'll see through it if you don't.
0: Absolutely. Especially Gen Z.
1: For sure. You can't get
0: anything past Gen Z.
1: No, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but but thanks for going there. I mean, you know, I'm sure at the beginning of the, you introduced yourself, people were like, okay, so when are we gonna hear about what's going on there? Yeah. Um and, and, <laughs> and, and, but this isn't about that. This isn't about the place. This is about you and, and about your your journey and how you navigate that. But I but I think it would be it would be a mistake not to address how one leads in an environment like the one you're in right now and and I and I appreciate what you're saying about truth and integrity and focusing on the faculty and the staff who are doing the hard work that they've always been doing and the students that choose to say yes to your institution but also recognizing that the conditions in which you're doing that work are exceptionally challenging and, yeah. and trying to motivate your team to to stay to have to work harder maybe than some other, uh, admissions folks do because of what's in the news about, about SPO. Um, so I, I commend you for having to, for having to lead with that, but also recognizing the, the things that you, you know, to, to do it with integrity and authenticity. Yeah. I, I well, want to, back to the, oh, go ahead, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say one more thing too, is Ladies. that we have a lot of fun together. So, Okay. I recognize that. Also. Well, it's just been so stressful, so stressful, yeah. and yeah. morale can be a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we take time to have fun. Um, we have a fun committee that comes up with ideas for things for us to do as a team together. But we can will. Sh- can you share
1: some of your good ones because people are always looking for ideas.
0: Um. Well, we play. I don't know if this is very unique, but Doesn't we matter. play games. We play okay. games. So I got introduced to Corkle.
1: Oh, Corkle yes.
0: is fun.
1: It's fantastic. I only
0: get to play with the team every now and again,
1: okay. but when I
0: do, it it's a lot of fun. And i I haven't figured out how to how to. I haven't figured out the strategy yet. So I, I have some improvement. <laughs> Interesting callback. <laughs> but-
1: <laughs> Megan, Megan Miller was the person that introduced me to Quirkle.
0: Really? Um, oh my yeah. But- That's funny. Um, and then I do this thing. It's been a tradition that I started a while ago where when we have events, um, there's a portion of our event where everybody goes on a campus tour. And so okay. usually people pop onto their computer and do you know emails whatever and I just started to implement karaoke during that break and um it's kind of a love hate (laughs) for my staff because some staff are like Inelise I am not going to sing I don't care how many times you ask me I'm not (laughs) gonna do it but they enjoy it I know they do and it's just a little break in between you know Having to engage with families and, you know, in the thick of an event, it's just a little break for us to just have fun and be silly and then see what kind of songs people choose to sing during that, during that tour break.
1: That's a brilliant idea. And also, I mean, I don't know if it's like this for you, but I remember back in the day, the energy of an open house event or a visit day kind of goes up. And it drops, and it's up <laughs> yeah. and it drops, especially yeah. if you're on stage, right? Like if you're if yep. you have any sort of presentation. And so that's a great way to keep the engine going. I mean, you're probably completely gassed at the end of the day, but very <laughs> that's a brilliant call. Hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know anybody else who does that, but.
1: Before we pivot to the rapid descent, because I do want to get there, but I, I want to come back for a specific to something you had mentioned earlier about bringing your authentic self, because people say that all the time. Um, and I don't mean to dismiss what you're saying, but w- what does that mean? Like, what are some examples of how someone can bring their authentic self to work? And, and maybe it's how you did it yourself and how you modeled that in your role. But I, if you're comfortable sharing that, I'd love to I'd love to yeah. hear a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, well, um... Part of it is that direct communication piece. Yeah, Um, Yeah. I grew up, my my family's East Coast. I grew up with a lot of direct communication.
1: Yeah. And I think. Try that here um, in the Midwest.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) Seattle too. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people are not used to that. Um, Women are not really encouraged to be that way um Mm -hmm. and so I fight hard to be that way because I know it's my true self and so I just make sure that I am direct in what I say um I give direct feedback now I'm kind Mm -hmm. and I'm also aware of you know how how each staff member will receive information so i i -hmm. adapt a little bit to make sure that someone's not you know crying because i gave them some feedback that was a little you know whatever but um, i i just i make that known and i explain what that Mm -hmm. looks like to my staff so that when i do provide Mm -hmm. direct communication they're not they're not taken aback or they don't think they did something wrong.
1: Yeah, or they um, don't take it personally.
0: It's, right. They don't take it personally. Or at least they shouldn't. So yeah. right. So but I, I do that because I want to model. You can be a woman and you can be direct. It doesn't mean you're a you know what. And it doesn't mean that yeah. you're mean or rude in any way. Right. Um, it means that you care. Uh, For me, being direct means that I really care about the person that I'm talking to, and I want them to know what I honestly think, and I'm letting them know that so that they can be their best self. Um,
1: Love that. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm letting them
0: into something, like, very Mm -hmm. personal, too, because it takes vulnerability to be direct as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I also, you know, I bring... I'm a 90s baby. I love 90s R&B. I also love salsa music. I start okay. all my Monday morning meetings with music because I love music. Okay. Uh, so I bring that, that in.
1: I'm looking forward to question number 1 in the rapid descent then for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I it was hard to pick a song. Okay. <laughs> um, but if you did have
1: to, what's it so you, you said Monday mornings. You had a Monday yep. morning meeting this week, right?
0: Yep. Oh, no, I didn't because I was okay. traveling. So you were in Hawaii, It would have been Sorry. like 5 a.m.
1: <laughs> last time, Your last meeting, What was? do you remember what you played?
0: Yes, I do because yeah. uh, it had nothing to do with 90s R&B or anything like that. But the new Game of Thrones came out.
1: House of the Dragon? I don't know what House you're talking about. House of the about. Dragon. House of the win? Dragon.
0: That little show, I don't know, yeah. that maybe all of us have been waiting for. And mm-hmm. so uh, I played the the theme song okay for that.
1: Ooh, nice. But Get that your had nothing on. to do
0: with that, but yeah, okay. I'm a okay. big Game of Thrones person. Okay. Um but even that, like I I also, and this is really embarrassing to share, but bring it. Brene Brown says you need to be a vulnerable leader, right? Um so. well, you also said something
1: about you, you touched on clear is kind or something you are kind and in that there is some clarity so yeah it was like oh (laughs) we got some some renee brown in here this is good
0: this
1: is good uh um, why is that cheesy what's wrong with what's wrong no no
0: no this is the cheesy part is that i'm also i'm also a huge disney person like yeah like really really big fan of Disney. And okay. so my whole team makes fun of me. Gen Z makes fun of me because I'm, I'm coined as a Disney adult. That's not a good thing. If you don't know what that means, you should look it up. It's not uh, a good thing. Is it not safe um, for work? <laughs> oh, no, no. It's, uh, wait, what you did you say?
1: Was, is that not safe for work? Oh, <laughs> no, you, you
0: can. No, you look it up and you will okay. hear Gen Z rag oh. on Disney adults.
1: Oh yeah, I see. <laughs> just the headline. So, How Disney adults became the most hated group on yeah? the, on the internet. Thanks Rolling yeah. Stone magazine. Okay.
0: Yeah, there you go. So I I make that be known. Okay. That's who I am. There's there's style. a lot of story behind that and there's a reason why but I just claim it. I don't care.
1: well for all that need to know what's the reason why you're a disney adult
0: well so i i'm part of a big puerto rican family and we went to disney disneyland and disney world when i was younger and um yeah and it was the whole family Like, it wasn't just me and my parents. No. It was a whole family. Abuela, abuelo, tía, tío, my cousins, some other cousins. (laughs) It was everybody. Okay? We weren't leaving anybody behind. Um, And so that just became a big family tradition. And so I have all these beautiful memories with my family going to mm-hmm. Disney world mm-hmm. and we would rent a big house. Cause you can rent big houses in Florida. And, um, and so we'd cook together. We'd take, you know, we were, we were on a budget. Okay. So we would make our little sandwiches and mm-hmm. freeze our water and we'd be ready oh, wow. for, for the parks. But I just have all these, great memories. And um, I also had a lot of health challenges at that time. And so I would go there and uh, the customer service is ridiculous. Nobody mm-hmm. does customer service like the Disney, way. Disney. And so I've also brought that to admissions a lot too. Like okay. we okay. should be doing this like Disney does. Um, but because of that, uh, I just always felt like that was an escape. An mm. escape from challenging times, health challenges. I always no. felt like treated so well when we would go there. And so yeah, you know, having a big girl job and
1: <laughs> stress and mm-hmm. you get to be a Disney. Being
0: fan. on the news, yeah, Disney, is my, Disney is my escape. Disney is my escape.
1: You have you have earned that right for sure.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so I, and I use you know when when I'm with my staff, I'll use slang and I'll uh, you know I just I just try to be bring my whole self, bring my family. I have a pup. I'll bring him by every once in a while to just help people de stress. And I
1: need to know what kind of pup.
0: So he's he's a mix. He's a Lhasa Apso Pomeranian mix. Oh, so he's like a twenty two pound fluffy, fluffy little guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He was. He's he's been great.
1: And his name, you mean, might as well shout him out. Also. Also.
0: Also. Bear. It means little. Yeah, means bear.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ironically named.
0: Yeah. Well, when he was, when he was a puppy, he looked like a teddy bear. I mean, he didn't look real. And so that was part of it. And I told my husband, my husband's, um, he's African American. And uh, I speak Spanish fluently. And that's, that's another really important thing about my identity. And so I told him, I was like, the dog will have a Spanish name. (laughs) So. I hope you're okay with that because the dog will have a Spanish name.
1: (laughs) It works. (laughs) Oh, wow. Thank you though for, this is, thank you for giving that much texture to the authenticity piece. Because I think, again, part of the reason that I do this show is to have people kind of walk out on stage as a model for them to look at and consider things that they want to adopt in their own work and their own practice. Um, And so hearing what makes you what you bring to your role is wonderful, and I'm thank and thank you for doing that. That's also it was fun, <laughs> yeah. I, learned a lot. I learned even more about you. Um, and we'll have to talk Disney soon. Um, but we won't, okay. Put it, um, are
0: yeah, are you We're a not, Disney doll, adult on the low? I, I don't
1: know about that. I, I'm, uh, I don't want to say anything else for fear of. Putting myself in a position that might be difficult to um, defend—got it. Um, Got other it. than to say, yeah, it's 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 an important part of uh, it's an important part of my history too. Um, yes. But this is a show about you, and essential to this show, of course, is uh, the rapid descent. And uh, we hinted at it before with the musical choice, but you know how this goes, and folks who have listened to this know that it is uh, eight quick questions looking for eight quick answers. Great. And so, Ineliz, you know, are, are you ready for question number one?
0: I'm ready. Let's
1: do it. What's your walkout song?
0: I couldn't pick one, so I picked Roar by Katy Perry. Okay. And then Vivid La Vida by Mark Anthony.
1: Oh, callback to the 90s. Song. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It- oh, you know well, "Vivir An- La
1: Vida? Oh, Mark Anthony. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Um I think. Yeah, I don't know when that song came out, but I know we had... It's um, newer. Yeah, we had a couple of his older CDs, which should probably tell you how old they were, because um, they were CDs. But anyway, all right. But again, nobody has, topped Car- <laughs> nobody has topped Carmen Lopez yet, because Carmen from College Horizons had, I think, 10 walkout songs that she gave us. Oh, so, okay. So you're good. Okay. You're good. You're like 20% right. of the way there. Um, all right. <laughs> next next question. What's... um what's the best thing you've read lately?
0: Well, so I have about a billion leadership books and Mm -hmm. I will say I try to avoid nonfiction because my life is nonfiction, right? So it's like I'm doing leadership every day
1: and then I read a book
0: about leadership. But um, I've been opening up a couple of my leadership books, again, just to reference different chapters. Mm -hmm. And I really like um, the Harvard Business Review on Managing Yourself. Mm
1: -hmm. So there's
0: all different Mm -hmm. articles about different topics. And as I mentioned earlier, trying to figure out how do you manage under tremendous circumstances and and challenges – yeah. I've really been going back to okay what are my values as a leader. Mm. And so mm-hmm. um there's a there's a good chapter about strengths and and values and how do you think about those things as a leader. So
1: okay. How about uh something you're eager to read next?
0: Well, like I said, um I have Let's a lot of fiction. books I have a lot of books on leadership and yeah. theology and Racial justice, and so I'm trying to read just a fun novel. And so one of my colleagues gave me The Midnight Library, um, by Matt Haig. Okay. And so I just started that on the plane, and I'm excited to keep reading, reading it. It's pretty fun.
1: It's always good having a nice work of fiction that you know. You know, it's good when you're thinking about it when you're not reading it, like you're looking forward to get back getting back to it, like a show binging. Yeah. Yep. Um okay, the podcast question. Do you have one that you particularly enjoy?
0: Well, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I got into this one <laughs> just it. recently. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And okay. I'm I'm really interested right now in learning about um different ways that people look at theology and maybe some of the toxic ways that people look at religion and theology. And so Mars Hill was this really big church in Seattle that had a very um, dynamic lead pastor that was doing a lot of things I never agreed with. Mm -hmm. And so this is all about his rise to fame and then the fall of the church. And oh my goodness, it is amazing. It's just, yeah, it's really interesting. So. Thank you.
1: Do you have a, do you have a favorite thing to make in the kitchen?
0: Yes, I do. Arroz con gandules. Yeah. I make it for my team. Every holiday party we do together.
1: The very first Recommendation on this show came from Angel Perez, who yes. also said that arroz con gandules is his favorite thing to make in the kitchen, and I have made it now, and I love it. It's okay, so good. I made it. I love it, that. I've made it with some pernil. Um,
0: oh, yeah! Did
1: the whole put it on the smoker, and oh my god, where has it been all my life? It is it's amazing.
0: Ken, that's legit. You could hey. be. You could, you could come to one of my family parties.
1: Oh, I, only if it's at Disney world or Disneyland. Done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't put a condition. I should say, thank you. I would love to. Um, oh, Yeah. Speaking of which I got to make some, if you have a recipe. Do you have a recipe, like a winning recipe? I, to uh, okay.
0: I'll be really honest. Yeah. So I watched I watched my mom make it, my aunt yeah. make it, and my grandma yeah. make it. Yeah. And then I also just read the back of the Goya um, <laughs> yes. uh-huh. uh, can, which was mm-hmm. pretty accurate. Okay. And so I've combined all those different uh, recipes mm-hmm. to create my own.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Then yes, please. Yes,
0: please.
1: I have to get myself out to Seattle. Good grief. Um, Come okay. on over. Yeah, It's just a hop and a skip from Appleton. Um, all right. Three more questions. What do you use to take and keep your notes? I really want to stick with what you made in the kitchen, though, because it's, you know, when we're recording right now, like I really could go for some. Uh, sorry. Anyway, back to- <laughs> what do you use to take and keep your notes?
0: One note. And I tell every single one of my staff, please do OneNote.
1: (laughs) Okay. That works. Because, Because. yeah, you can
0: search. You can search Mm -hmm. in there. You can find everything you need. It's tabbed. OneNote. (laughs)
1: Um, I'm trying not to. Like, as soon as you said OneNote, like, Drake got queued up in my head. I don't know why. Okay. I'd, I'd, like, I'd be, but I'm rewriting the lyrics from one dance. Uh, so whatever. I just, I, you're catching me at a strange time here. Anyways.
0: I love right. it, Ken.
1: What's a memorable <laughs> bit of advice you've received? And I think you maybe already shared it with us, but.
0: I did. So me. yeah, Dante Quinine, mm-hmm. shout out. Don't let your passion speak louder than your wisdom. Boom. Or you'll lose your voice.
1: Double Boom. Yeah. Last question. Presuming you have a bucket list, name an item on your list that you haven't yet checked off.
0: Well, um, I need to create a bucket list. That's the first thing.
1: Well, there you Um, go. Create a bucket list. (laughs)
0: No, but I have not done international travel. Mm. So I've, I've been to Puerto Rico and, you know, you're not really Canada. Canada, Canada doesn't, no, I've done Canada. That doesn't okay. count. Doesn't count. Okay. Um, but I mean, that's like a four hour drive. It just, you're, it's not, you're it's like, not the same.
1: You're talking about <laughs> get on a plane and have a sincere journey right. to an international plane. Okay. Right, Anyone right, in particular? Right.
0: Um, I really want to go to Europe. Mm. I know that sounds mm. so cliche, but no, no. you know a trip to Paris like that just sounds so nice
1: yes <laughs> embrace that
0: if my parents stop going to Disney World then maybe I can take an international <laughs> trip
1: <laughs> I love it okay perfect. perfect anyways thank you this has been this has been a blast this has been a lot of fun um I appreciate you coming on thank
0: and- you this is such an honor Oh. and really fun.
1: Well, um and again thanks to Megan for for the introduction. Um but uh I will close by saying in the meantime, uh least may all your big dreams come true, at least the good ones. And to you dear listener, thanks for listening. Be well and do well.